Thank you, Brother Steve. And it, it, uh, if you have your Bibles this morning, I invite you to find the book of Ruth. And uh, we've been uh, traveling through this great story, and uh, today we wrap it up. I don't know about you, but the ending of the stories uh, are usually the best part. And uh, it, the... Uh, it's that time of year where we're watching those Hallmark Christmas movies. Uh, Leslie and I have watched a couple of them, and I kind of like, I'll, I'll tell Leslie what's going to happen, and 94% of the time, I'm right, even though I haven't seen the movie before, because most of those movies are different people, but pretty much the same story. But we keep watching it, why? Because it is an amazing, we like that feel-good Happy ending story. Those Hallmark Christmas movies, uh, all of them that I've seen, always have a, a, a pretty happy ending. Uh, you know, they, they wrap things up nice and tight, and the, the guy and the gal, you know, fall in love and, you know, at the end. And, uh, you know, about in the middle, there's some other guy that pops in that threatens to take away who belongs and... Uh, but, you know, it always works out. And, you know, uh, life is not a Hallmark movie. Uh, things don't finish up in a nice uh, package with a bow on it. Uh, that's not the way life works. But here's the thing. When your life is with God and you're walking with God, even though there's bumps along the way and there's twists and turns, because God is in your life and God is leading your life, it always ends up okay. It always ends up the way that God wants it to, the, the, the way that it fits God's plan. We don't always see that. We, at the beginning of the story, found Naomi, who, uh, Naomi means blessed, it's Hebrew for blessed or blessing or sweetness. And when she, you know, she'd lost her husband, and then she lost both of her sons. Uh, and she goes back, and people say, hey, Naomi has come back. Just don't call me Naomi, for I am bitter, for the Lord has dealt harshly with me. And yet now we're going to see as we wrap up this story that it, the Lord still had Naomi in the palm of his hand and was working out things that she couldn't see and that she wasn't aware of. And so, friends, I want us to understand, especially during this time of Thanksgiving, that we have a lot to praise the Lord for. In fact, we have even more to praise the Lord for than we realize. Chances are you have blessings that you are not even remotely aware of. And maybe this side of heaven you won't be. Maybe even in eternity you won't be aware. You, you won't know them. But there are blessings that God is working out uh, in your life. There's ways that God is using you that you're completely unaware of. And yet, God is still there. And so, just to kind of recap what happened last week in chapter 3, uh, Ruth goes uh, to Boaz uh, at night uh, and remind, says, Hey, listen, you're a relative. I need uh, redeeming. I need... And so, uh, Boaz says, Yes, it'll be done. He gives her some barley and sends her back to Naomi and says... Listen, I promise you, it'll all work out. It'll all be taken care of. 
And so that's where we pick up the story, and we're going to pick up so, uh, in uh, verse 7 of Ruth chapter uh, 4. So the first six verses, uh, Boaz goes to this closer relative, the one that it has a closer relationship uh, to Naomi than he does. Uh, and he says, listen, I can't redeem, the, you know, at first he said, yeah, I'll take the land, but when he found out there's uh, a, a lady, you know, a, a widow, and then a mother-in-law widow, said, oh, I can't handle that. No, that's it. You, you go ahead and you, you do the redeeming. And so that's where we pick up in verse 7. It says, now this was the custom in former times in Israel concerning redeeming and exchanging. To confirm anything, one man took off his sandal and gave it to the other. And this was a confirmation in Israel. Therefore, the close relative said to Boaz, buy it for yourself. And so he took off his sandal. And Boaz said to the elders and all of the people, you are witnesses this day that I have bought all that was Elimelech's, that was remembering Naomi's husband, uh, and that was Chilion and Malon's, their two children from the hand of uh, Naomi. Moreover, Ruth the Moabitess, the widow of Malon, I have acquired as my wife to perpetuate the name of the dead through his inheritance, that the name of the dead may not be cut off from among his brethren and from his position at the gate. You are witnesses this day. And all the people were at the gate. And the elders said, We are witnesses. The Lord make the woman who is coming to your house like Rachel and Leah, the two who built the house of Israel. And may you prosper in Ephratah and be famous in Bethlehem. May your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah, because the offspring which the Lord will give you from this young woman. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife, and when he went into her, the Lord gave her conception, and she bore a son. And the woman said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord, who has not left you this day without a close relative. And may his name be famous in Israel. And may he be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is better to you than seven sons, has borne him. Naomi took the child and laid him on her bosom and became a nurse to him. Also the neighbor woman gave his, him a name, saying, There is a son born to Naomi. And they called his name Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. Now this is the genealogy of Perez. Perez begot Hezron, Hezron begot Ram, and Ram begot Aminadab, and Abinadab begot Nashon, and Nashon begot Salmon, Salmon begot Boaz, and Boaz begot Obed, and Obed begot Jesse, and Jesse begot David. What a great conclusion to the story, and we're going to see, hopefully by the end uh, of this message this morning, why that's such a great uh, story and a great ending for us. Uh, and a great reminder that God is working all things together for good to those that love God and are called according to his purpose, Paul says in Romans 8.28. 
And so just a couple things this morning that I want us to see as we look at this chapter, and the first is this, that uh, we need to understand we need a Redeemer. Naomi and Ruth understood that in their culture, women couldn't own property and you know, couldn't vote and uh, couldn't do a lot of other things. That was, they, they knew that they needed somebody uh, to, to take them in so that they would survive. And so in the Jewish law, there were provisions for that to take place. And in fact, even the New Testament uh, instructs us that we're to take care of widows, doesn't it? And so we need to understand that Naomi and Ruth understood their need for a redeemer. They didn't know how it was all going to work out. They began to see as we get close to the end of the story. But notice that, that even though they, they saw they had this wedding and they had this child, they didn't have a clue the significant impact that their son was going to have in the grand scheme of eternity. But more on that in a little bit. But you see, just as Naomi and Ruth needed a redeemer, you and I stand in need of redemption. Every human being needs redemption. Paul said it this way, he said, There is none righteous No, not one. No matter how good you think you can be, you cannot be good enough to earn and merit salvation. We need to understand that. And that is a difficult truth for a lot of us to grasp and understand. You know, we heard often, you know, you have to get somebody lost before you can get them saved. And that's a difficult thing to do especially here in the Bible Belt, because even if folks don't go to church, they claim that they do. And maybe they've been, you know, one time, or maybe grandma, grandpa or, or dad was a preacher or deacon in a church, so they say, well, yeah, you know, I'm good. But we can't get to heaven on somebody else's coattails. You see, we need a Redeemer. And as great as any human being is that, influences us and is part of our life and we should be thankful for the family that God has given to us none of them can bring redemption there was one man that could bring redemption and his name was Jesus Christ and all of us stand in the name of it and listen friend that's not necessarily a bad thing you know we you know especially in the culture in the world that we live in today you know it's for some reason we think we have to be self-sufficient And we have to do it ourselves, and we don't need anybody else. Well, the reality is, in fact, Jesus said it in John 15. He said, without me, you can do nothing. You can accomplish no good, holy thing on your own. We stand in need of a Redeemer. And praise God, God has sent us one. And that's good news. And that's something to be thankful for. And so we have those that God has put in our path to help lead us and guide us to get us to the point where we find that Redeemer. And we need to thank God for that. We need to thank God that we're part of His plan. 
that before you or I was an inkling in mama's eye, God knew all about us. And not only did he know all about us, the good, the bad, and the ugly, he loved you despite the bad and the ugly. And he made a plan to redeem you and to offer the great plan of salvation through the person and work of Jesus Christ. So Naomi and Ruth understood they needed a redeemer. And they didn't let that deter them, that didn't let them discourage them, it didn't depress them, because they knew that God loved them, so if they needed a redeemer, there was going to be one. Now some days they forgot that, we see that Naomi, in the beginning of this story, she said, man, God has left me. God has dealt very bitterly with me. Not only did my husband pass away, but then he took my two sons passed away too. And oh, life just is not worth living. That's what she proclaimed. And she was going through grief, and by the way, God understands that. And yet, even though Naomi didn't realize it, a redeemer had been provided for by this near relative whose name was Boaz. But the second thing I want us to find in the story, now we need to understand we need a redeemer. And I hope you do understand that. And I hope you've met him. If you haven't, today would be a great day to meet him. But secondly, we need to understand and remember that our Redeemer brings blessing. So here we find this exchange that takes place between this close relative, whatever his name is, and the story doesn't even reveal who he is. Doesn't give his name. But Boaz and him make this contract, and they say, listen, I'm going to redeem. And so he takes his sandal off, gives it to this person, as a symbol that he has made this promise to bring redemption uh, to Elimelech's uh, property and Elimelech's family. And so that's what takes place. And in front of the entire community, the elders pronounce blessing on Boaz and say, listen, you are doing a great thing redeeming this woman, Naomi, and this Moabitess lady named Ruth. They said, may the Lord bless you, and may the Lord use you and build you great nations. And he mentions Rachel and Leah, and, uh, and so he says, listen, may God bless you. May you find favor. And they do find favor. And that's the wonderful ending of the story. Naomi and Ruth are redeemed. And they, they become part of Boaz's family. And they move into Boaz's household. And Boaz and Ruth have a son. And that son's name is Obed. What a boring, weird name. Thankful that our naming has gotten a little better over the years. And we got Aaron's and Leslie's and what to us is normal. But our names are probably weird to other cultures. 
But here's the thing. So they had this child. And listen, the Bible says that children are a blessing from the Lord. And friend, you need to understand that. And if you're a parent, you better realize it. If you're a grandparent, you better realize it and not take it for granted. understand the responsibilities that God has given you and the most important responsibility that God has given to you as a parent is to raise that child in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord so that when he or she is in an age where they can understand they'll make the decision for themselves to find the Redeemer. Proverbs says, train up a child in the way that he should go. When he's old, he won't depart from it. That's not a hard and fast rule, by the way. It's a generally true principle. As we all know, there are some people that were raised in church, may even served in church. I know some pastors that served in church that, I'm not going to say they're not Christians anymore, but I can say they're not pastoring anymore. And they're not living for the Lord. And so just because at one moment you were walking with God doesn't mean you're always. But here's the thing, friend. When that truth gets inside of you, it doesn't get out. And so even when that rebellious son or that rebellious daughter leaves church and is living for the world, if they're out there running around in sin, the Holy Spirit is piercing their heart. Say, you know better than this. There's something better. Why are you making these foolish, stupid choices when you know better? You see, the most miserable person on the planet is a Christian that's out of fellowship with God. A lost person doesn't know they're lost and doesn't care that they're lost. They're out sinning, living it up, happy-go-lucky. They don't know that they're headed for a real place called hell. But a saved person does. A saved person knows what it is to be forgiven and to have the Spirit of God live in their life and find the blessings of God in their life and they know when that's missing that it's missing. They may tell you, no, I'm happy. The reality is they're not. And so most of the time when children do wander away from God, guess what? They come back. The story of Franklin Graham, we just took up uh, you know, shoe boxes and shipped them off and they'll be on their way overseas to a country somewhere. Franklin Graham was a, uh, a son of the great evangelist Billy Graham. Franklin Graham's uh, testimony is this, he grew up and he became the black sheep of the Graham family. He had determined so much that he was not going to live for the Lord, that he was going to do what his daddy, you know, he had to do certain things. It felt like he was in a glass house and always had to be a good little child. That I, once I get out from home, I forget that. But guess what? God continued to work on Franklin's heart. And Franklin eventually got to the point, a low point in his life where he finally realized, just like the prodigal son, what an idiot I am. For here I am wallowing around in slop and the servants in my father's house have it much better than I do. 
he came back not only to his family and found restoration with his dad and his mother, but more importantly, he found restoration and redemption in Jesus Christ. And God got a hold of his heart, and I can tell you he's preached, and many people have come to know the Lord, but he also leads Samaritan's Purse, the organization that leads uh, not only Operation Christmas Child, but sends uh, different teams uh, around the world to minister in the name of Christ. And he's making an important impact, but at a certain time in his life, if you were to ask, is God going to do anything with Franklin Graham? Everyone, he would say, there's no way. And when we say that, guess what God says? Is that all right? You want to bet? Let me show you what I can do. And God takes that person that we've given up on, and he makes something beautiful and something good out of them and uses them in ways that blow our minds. So our Redeemer brings blessings. But then lastly this morning, I want to see that our Redeemer sometimes hides in the shadows. You see, he's always there. Jesus said, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. When we find the story of Ruth is, was written during the period of Judges when the nation of Israel came back from uh, being in bondage in Egypt. God was still with them in Egypt, wasn't he? God was with them in the desert and gave them manna and gave them water, you know, gave them meat when they were belly aching. Even when they were wandering in the desert. And he was with them when the faithful ones entered into the promised land. He was with the nation of Israel generations later when they had again turned their back on God and forgotten about him. So God sent foreign nations to come and take them captive, and yet God was still with his people when they were slaves in foreign lands. God was still with them, and God brought them back. I think about Job. If you know Job's story, you know that he was a very wealthy man, had everything a person could possibly want. And just like that, he lost it. The only thing that left was a nagging wife. A wife that said, why don't you just curse God and die? And yet Job said, I don't understand it. But this is what Job said to his wife. I know my Redeemer lives. So, you know, I don't know why. And in fact, he's going to ask God some questions. Some very pointed questions in the book of Job. And then God shows up and says, All right, Job, you want to have it out? Let's go. Now, I'm just going to tell you a word to the wise. Don't get in a boxing match with God because you ain't going to win. You're going to get bloodied up. You'll lose every time. But, and... Job, but when God came and spoke to him, said, oh, uh, God, I'm sorry. I, I was so foolish to talk like that. God, I don't understand everything. And we see the same thing in the New Testament, and we see the same thing in our lives. You see those very moments when we feel that God is absent, 
that everything is going haywire in our world are the times that God wants to draw near us to us. So it's not always that you know, God was walking, God was preparing. God had raised up this man named Boaz to take care of Naomi and Ruth and to bring not only King David into the world, but several generations down the road through David's children, guess who came into the world? We'll celebrate his birth in next month. Jesus Christ. Jesus was descended from David. He was descended from Ruth and Boaz. Remember that Ruth was a Moabitess lady. She was from Moab. Moabites weren't supposed to be anywhere in the temple of God. The Jews were supposed to have nothing to do with them. And yet God used this Moabite woman because she wasn't a Moabite woman anymore when she gave her heart to the Lord. When she gave her, and she said to her mother-in-law, listen, your God is my God, and wherever you go, I'm going. She had become an adopted child of Israel. You know what, God is so like that even still today that he hides in the shadows. So that when everything is going chaotic around us, there's a lot of chaos probably in your life right now. It's probably not, a bit, there's probably some stressing things going on in your life. Some of you have relatives coming to your house in a few days. Some of you have a road trip to take in a few days. Some of you will be missing family members that have passed away this year and they won't be there for the first time. And yet, whatever's going on in your world, rest assured of this, Jesus is right there. And God is working out his perfect plan in your life. Just like, see, Naomi, she thought again. She was bitter. She said God had dealt very bitterly with her. And yet, at the end of the story, she not only finds redemption, she finds a grandson. And it says that Naomi was able to raise that grandson. She was involved in his life. And what a blessing that is. And so she had a very different perspective at the end of the story than she did in the middle of the story, didn't she? So, friend, we have to remember, especially this Thanksgiving season, that even when it seems God is absent and when things aren't going our way and we don't have the Midas touch, we have the, whatever the opposite of Midas where everything turns to gold, when it seems like everything we touch turns to trash and breaks. Am I the only one that ever feels like that? I'm probably not. Probably all of us have times when we feel like that. Yeah, it's even in those times that God is right there with us and that God is working out a plan. And God loves us so much that even when we're running away from him at 50 miles an hour, he runs a lot faster than that. This is what God, he said, all right, run. 
Wear yourself out, fool. You're not going anywhere that I can't get you. Remember David's question in Psalm 139? He said, Lord, where can I go to get away from you? If I climb to the highest top of the mountain, you're right there. And if I dive to the lowest part of the ocean where it's so black that you can't see the hand in front of your face, you're right there too. David understood, and friends, we need to understand too, there's nowhere we can go that God can't get to us. And there's nowhere and no distance we can go that's so far that God can't bring us back to him. If we'll take that first step and say, Lord, forgive me. David, the great-grandson of this story, even had the greatest king Israel in a lot of ways ever knew, the Bible calls him a man after God's own heart, and yet David was not perfect. You just read the story of David. It's, it's almost at various times, uh, almost, it, it's definitely an R-rated story, almost an X-rated story at certain parts of it. And yet, God continues to work on David. And David came to the point after one of the lowest points in his life, where he cries out to God and says, Forgive me and restore to me the joy of your salvation. And guess what? God did. And God continued to work even through the heartache of David's life. And I sure am thankful for that. Let's pray together. Lord, we love you. Thank you for your goodness and your love to us. Lord, thank you for your grace and your love. For all the blessings that you give us, Lord, thank you for the Redeemer that all of us stand in need of. Lord, help us never forget our need of redemption. And the act of redemption that happened on the cross of Calvary when Jesus shed his innocent blood. That whosoever would call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And Lord, our prayers, there's one here today or watching on the internet that has never made that profession of faith and never received that gift. Oh, Lord, might you pierce their heart and help them today to receive the greatest of gifts, the gift of salvation. Lord, maybe there's one of your children here today. Lord, they feel lonely. They feel forgotten. They maybe feel like Naomi, that you've been dealing bitterly with them. God, may you pierce their heart. May you help them to restore the joy of your salvation. May you help them to see the wonder, the fact that you love them and that you redeemed them and you've not given up on them and you've not left them. Oh, what a blessing it is to know that we are a child of the King. Lord, help us to be your hands and feet. Help us to not take that for granted. Help us to take the blessings that you've given to us and give them away. For we know that if we hold on to our blessings, we'll lose them. But if we share them, we'll never run out of them. Help us, we pray, Jesus. Let's stand together, friend. I'm glad that our redemption worked out, aren't you? There are times Naomi didn't see it. There's times you don't see it. 
And let me assure you on the authority of God's word, God is working out his plan. And maybe you're running from him. Can I tell you, you better just, just stop running. Just stop running. Let's sing together.